Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Women's rights in the global south have often been won after a hard post-colonial struggle. This is especially the case in Kenya, where a number of gender reforms were enacted after a new constitution. It's one thing to get the laws passed, but it's another to get them implemented, especially in male-dominated sectors like fishing. We'll get to that in a minute. But first, here's some context behind how difficult it was to get these reforms. While Kenya gained independence in 1963, democratic rules struggled to fully take hold. The constitution was altered multiple times as various leaders tried to increase their power. This hit a breaking point in 2008, when a disputed election led to violence across the country. The violence in Kenya's Rift Valley region is spreading quite fast. Thankfully, UN Secretary General Kofi Annan brokered a peace deal between political rivals, which also ended the violence. In all successful negotiations, there is give and take. Compromise was necessary for the survival of this country. And in 2010, a new democratic constitution was passed. Tens of thousands of residents thronged Nairobi's Uhuru Park, waiting for the president to sign the document, making a new constitution a reality. Along with governmental reforms, the new constitution called for laws better protecting human rights, people with disabilities, and women. This enabled big legislation, like better property, business, and marriage rights for women. The sights and sounds at Uhuru Park as Kenyans in their thousands turned up to witness the nation's rebirth. These new laws provided an opening for women to succeed, but there was still a lot more work to be done. From Foreign Policy, this is the Hidden Economics of Remarkable Women. I'm Rena Nainan. On today's episode, we're seeing how Kenya's legal reforms have created new opportunities for women in the fishing industry, like the Fisheries Management and Development Act of 2016. It has been helpful. They have also integrated women in some positions, such as treasurers or secretary, which was not previously there. That's Margaret Gatonye former CEO of the Aquaculture Association of Kenya. She was actually involved in this legislation, which she hoped would better support fish farmers. For the first time, I think they brought farmers onto the table through a representative, and that was me at the time. You'll hear more from Gatonye later in the show. But first, we're heading to the Kenyan coast. Reporter Turea Mwadzea visits a fishing community there to see how these changes are starting to take hold. Masi Maganga lives in the Bamburi area, a bustling seaside community on the southern Kenyan coast. I met her at her restaurant where she's frying fish over charcoal. Outside the streets are filled with people and matatus. Matatus are colorfully painted, privately owned minibuses people use as taxis, 
Bamburi is alive with shops, bars and restaurants. Speaking in Swahili, Marcy tells me she got into the fish business as a means to provide for her family. Nilianza kazi ya samaki nikiwa msichana mdogo. I had friends who were in the fish business. As they saw that I was not getting enough money to feed my family, being a housewife with no other income, it was difficult to feed my family. I got motivated and I started the fish business using little capital, supplying fish till I got big orders. Getting started was difficult, especially as a woman with little to access money. Personal safety was also a concern. It is hard for women to get equipment on their own without being in groups. As women, in fisheries are not considered. In various occasions, the men in fisheries get recognized, leaving us without equipment, forcing women to indulge in relationships and exchange of sex for equipment. Thankfully, Marcy's business prospects changed when she met Ben Becher, a local community organizer with the group Coastal Women in Fisheries. Becher uses a device to amplify his voice. And because of this, we asked a voice actor to help Becher tell his story. Becher said it was during college that he first got interested in marine conservation and he quickly realized that the best way to do that was to support local fishers, including women. Cultural and religious barriers inhibit women from actual fishing. Becher became dedicated to helping women reach their goals and become productive members of the community. We empower women in fisheries through sensitizing them on their fundamental rights and enhancing technical knowledge and skills. One of the women that Beach's group helped was Martine Mohammed. She says the training and assistance helped them overcome the barriers. At times, equipment and utilities were given to the men, and we saw that our rights were still infringed. So we formed women groups in the boat management units. We appreciate that we are now enlightened as we do the fish business in big quantities and without fearing men as we know our rights. We demand the government and their partners to build resilient small-scale fishing communities by developing national strategic plans. Salim Ali is another member of Ben Becher's group. He used his voice to lobby the government. His aim is to protect fishing areas used by many of the local female fishers. He says it's important to speak up for women and defend their livelihoods. He's helping to push an action plan that will give women equal rights in terms of accessing equipment and loans. We shall ensure that women in fisheries are given first priority to have equality and promote their livelihood in fisheries. While there is still work to be done, Masi Maganga is proud of their progress. She now works directly with Ben Becher and travels all over Eastern Africa to encourage other women to start businesses and work together to improve their economic power. As the chairperson of Coastal Women in Fisheries, I have trained a total of 130 women in Kuala 
County, 692 women in Mombasa County on fishing practices and fish value addition. There's a famous Chinese proverb that states, Give man a fish, he'll eat for a day. Teach a man to fish, he'll eat forever. Well, here in Kenya we can say something bigger. Give a woman a fish, she'll feed her family for a day. Empower women to fish, the whole country will thrive. For Hidden Economics of Remarkable Women, I'm Tiriani Mwadzaya. Coming up, a conversation with Margaret Gatonye, former CEO of the Aquaculture Association of Kenya. Let's face it, money is the one subject we all need to deal with, but no one actually wants to talk about. The good news is there's a podcast helping you learn everything about money no one taught you. Meet Everyone's Talking Money, hosted by me, Shauna Game. Everyone's Talking Money focuses on relevant, inclusive, and forward-thinking conversations around money and just helps you get in a better relationship with your money no matter what your goals are. Do yourself a favor and subscribe to Everyone's Talking Money podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome back to The Hidden Economics of Remarkable Women, a production of Foreign Policy. I'm Rena Nainen. Before the break, you heard about how recent government and NGO programs are helping women gain more power in the fishing sector. But there's a long way to go. Now we turn to a conversation I had with Margaret Gatonye. She's currently pursuing a PhD in global governance at the University of Massachusetts, Boston, but previously, Gatonye was the CEO of the Aquaculture Association of Kenya, where she also participated in a number of high-level policy meetings around women in fishing. For many years, Kenya has always been a fishing community. We have some of the largest water bodies, like Lake Victoria is the second largest freshwater body in the world. We have a huge portion of the Indian Ocean also. So traditionally, you know, fishing is always a man's activity. This is where you find the men go to fish and then they come back and bring the fish. But what happens after they land the fish? This is where the women's story begins. They dry the fish, they process the fish into different parts and then take it to the market. This is where you'll find most of the women really concentrated on deep frying the fish and selling it on the market. In Kenya, how are women changing the game in the fishery industry? Historically, Kenya has always been a male-dominated industry in the fishing sector, right? But the women are slowly standing up and saying no. And this was partly helped by a program that was started in 2009 called the Economic Stimulus Program, where the government uh, injected a lot of money to be able to boost the fishing farming in Kenya. And this is where we saw a lot of women getting things like ponds to be able to start fish farming. I have done quite a lot of research in the recent years, and the last one was last year, where I was able to talk to a lot of women in these fishing communities. And I was surprised to see how they are standing up and saying, we can also actually do fishing. They have now started buying boats, employing fishermen to go out and to fish for them and bring the fish. So they want to own the industry as producers, as key decision makers in the, in the space. And I think this, this is a very good thing. Even though a lot of women are in the industry, very few of them actually have access to land. Land is critical, but only 1% of individual women own land in Kenya and about 5% of group of women own land in Kenya. This is according to FIDA in Kenya. This is a problem. 
because the Kenyan constitution encourages that women should be included in land ownership. But it is not actually happening on the community level. Kenya was in the midst of drafting its Fisheries Management and Development Act. Tell me what this legislation did. This act was aimed at including more aquaculture-related activities into the act. It has been helpful, especially in the fishing community, where we have seen the formation of what we call the beach management units in the different landing sites that have also integrated women in some positions such as treasurers or secretary, which was not previously there. So there is some step being made. Is it where we need to be right now? No, but you can see that there, are, there is something being done right now, and, and that's worth mentioning. For the first time, I think they brought farmers onto the table through a representative, and that was me at the time. So for us, what we wanted to do was once we were able to be included as part of the decision-making process, how do you now go ahead to simplify or to synthesize the document so that it's digestible and someone can understand what it's saying? So that was the very first step. For me, at that time, I remember thinking to myself, uh, looking around the table and thinking, we need more women in this room. Often in these high-level discussions, you were the only woman in the room. Sometimes I would find myself being the only woman in the room, which which at the time I, I was very young. I, I, I looked very young and it was very intimidating being in rooms full of men sometimes. For me, I have always felt like we need to have more people involved. We need to have more women particularly involved in such important decisions. And I'm not talking about women who work in the State Department of Fisheries, because those are usually there. It's their job, right? I'm talking about the mamamboga on the ground, the, the woman who's flying the fish on the side of the road. What is her position in this space, right? I'm talking about the women who are leading movements on the landing sites, who are trying to change some of these bad habits that have been going on on the landing, such as fish for sex, as we've all been reading on, on the different platforms about. Tell me a little bit more about that for people who aren't familiar. This is an act where for a woman to be able to access fish, you need to have some sort of relations with the fishermen, either get priorities when the fish is out or be considered as someone who can actually get the fish on a daily basis. Right. So one of the main issues is there's lack of access for resources. This could be fish, it could be land, it could be money. And when it comes to the fish itself, you will find that over the years, the fish stocks have been dwindling. So we have less and less fish catches each year. So this creates a high demand for fish. So you want to be able, as a woman, to maintain your customer on a daily basis. And you to be able to do that you need to be able to be insured of constant supply, right? Mm -hmm. And if you are not in any contract with the fishermen, you're not, you're not required by law to be in a sort of contract with them, you have to find other ways for you to be able to access in this fish. And most times or not, some women resort into the practices of sex for fish. Mm. For a woman to give up her body to be able to access fish. This is wrong in every single word of it. But for many women, this is not a choice for them. They don't have an option. This 
is the only thing that you resort into doing because you need to either feed your family or you need to be able to supply the market. So it's mostly a lack of choice or it becomes a habit that is hard to break, mm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, this is where you're finding, I, I do have a piece coming out uh, very soon that will be talking about some of the gender and gender-based violent issues that are happening on the different landing sites. The structure allows to disadvantage women today. You talk about the importance of legislation, but not just creating legislation, implementing legislation. I want to go back to the Fisheries Management and Development Act, which passed in 2016. What we're trying to understand right now is how its implementation is helping the fishing community. So one of, one of the great things they did was creating the beach management unit. What is that? The idea here was to be able to bring the different groups, user groups on the ground, the fishing communities. These are people like traders, uh, fishermen, people working on the beach. This could be um, eco-tourists, people who clean the beaches. Bring them together so that they can help the government in, for example, collecting data that they need on what is what, how much fish is being landed, who is accessing the water, uh, what, what are some of the issues affecting the, just the basic running of the landing sites. But what you find is that almost all of them are managed by men. Men are the chairman of those beach management units. Men hold the highest positions. So still, you see, this patriarchal system still continues even after the development of this act, right? Yeah. So I think what the government, through the different counties, need to do is to see how they can restructure some of these local organizations to bring more women on board within high positions that they can make important decisions within the fisheries sector. You've written a lot about China and China's role in entering the Kenyan market. How is that impacting local fisheries? I see it as what we call a double-edged sword. On the one hand, it is uh, destroying, in my opinion, the fishing industry in Kenya. But on the other hand, it is meeting the demand of Kenya's market. There's a high demand that people want to eat fish, but they don't have the fish to eat, right? But the other hand that I'll focus more on, it is destroying the economy of Kenyan fishing right now, as we know it. We do not need to be able to import fish. We've seen farms such as Victory Farms that have come up and are producing huge amounts of fish at a go. So one of the challenges of having China fish come in is that it's usually very cheap fish, right? It's produced low costs and it's brought to Kenya at a very low cost. To be able to produce fish in Kenya, you need to be able to buy high-quality feed, which is very expensive. And most of the time, it's usually imported from other countries, right? So for you to be able to actually produce that one fish, you need to spend uh, so much more money to do that. But here comes China bringing the same fish with very little money for you. That, that destroys the economy as it is. Is there a way to counter China's influence? There's always a way to counter China's influence. And I think it starts from the top. I think we need to empower more communities, encouraging women to form groups on the ground or production groups on the ground for fish so that they can together produce, market the fish. I think that is the best way to be able to counter the China fish that is coming in. 
you're painting a very um, harsh picture of what it's like in the fishing industry. It's not easy for women. What would you say to people who are like, this is not the industry for them? So what you will find on the ground mostly is that the people who are more engaged in this fishing industry are the fishing communities. They have historically and for generations done this for many years. So it's them, their, their parents, their great-grandparents, their now children who are getting involved in this. This is their source of livelihood. There is no other business that they know besides using the resource for their benefit, right? As a source of livelihood. The essence of generational uh, legacy is what keeps most of these people engraved in, in, in the fishing industry itself. Plus, there is hope that the industry will continuously change. There is hope that more women will get more opportunities. Right now, the government is doing a lot of work to be able to see a lot of challenges that women are facing or a lot of people on the ground are facing. Right now, we have a program called the Kenya Marine and Fisheries Socioeconomic Project. This is a project that is funded by the World Bank, and it's aimed at helping communities in the coasts. So these are the different counties on the coasts address some of the issues they're facing on, on the landing sites, create capacity building for them. So there is something being done, for example, on the coast, but it's moving slower for most parts of the country. It's moving at a very slow pace. So we still need to see more funding being given to such communities to be able to improve their livelihood. And by doing so, we will start seeing changes happening. It's a fascinating industry, aquaculture and the fisheries. Margaret, I couldn't imagine a better expert to help break it down for us. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. Next week on the podcast, our last of the season, we hear from women in power, including Rachel Vogelstein from the White House Gender Policy Council. There are studies that show that closing gender gaps in the workforce would add between 12 and $28 trillion in global GDP over a decade. And yet, despite the clear benefits of women's economic participation, too often barriers remain. That's next week on the podcast. And that does it for today's show. The Hidden Economics of Remarkable Women is a production of Foreign Policy. It's made possible in part through funding from the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. The Hidden Economics of Remarkable Women is hosted by me, Brina Nainan. Our show is produced by Rosie Julin. Our senior producer, Laura Rossbrow-Tellum. Rob Sachs is our managing director. Claudia Tady is our marketing manager. Tureya Mwadzaya contributed reporting for this episode. If you like our show, we hope you share the love. If you're on social media, please post about it. And if not, tell a friend how much you appreciate the show. Every little bit helps us grow the audience. Thanks again. We'll be back in your feed next week. <laughs>